0: Welcome back to the Folktale Project. This is Dan Scholls. It's been a few weeks, but we are back rested, rejuvenated, and ready to take on the second part, second half really, of the Blue Fairy Book. And we're going to start with a new tale, a tale that we have not told previously, Although it may look like it, and it may look like a story that we've told many, many versions of before. But this is not the Goldilocks that you are thinking of. This, this is the story of Pretty Goldilocks. Once upon a time there was a princess who was the prettiest creature in the world and because she was so beautiful and because her hair was like the finest gold and waved and rippled nearly to the ground, she was called Pretty Goldilocks. She always wore a crown of flowers and her dresses were embroidered with diamonds and pearls and everybody who saw her fell in love with her. Now, one of her neighbors was a young king who was not married. He was very rich and handsome, and when he heard all that was said about pretty Goldilocks, though he had never seen her, he fell so deeply in love with her that he could neither eat nor drink. So he resolved to send an ambassador to ask her in marriage. He had a splendid carriage made for his ambassador, and gave him more than a hundred horses and a hundred servants, and told him to be sure to bring the princess back with him. After he had started, Nothing else was talked of at court, and the king felt so sure that the princess would consent, that he sent his people to work at pretty dresses and splendid furniture, that they might be ready by the time she came. Meanwhile, the ambassador arrived at the princess's palace and delivered his little message. But whether she happened to be cross that day, or whether the compliment did not please her, is not known. She only answered that she was very much obliged to the king, but she had no wish to be married. The ambassador set off sadly on his homeward way, bringing all the king's presents back with him, for the princess was too well brought up to accept the pearls and diamonds when she would not accept the king, and so she had only kept twenty-five English pins that he might not be vexed. When the ambassador reached the city where the king was waiting impatiently everybody was very much annoyed with him for not bringing the princess, and the king cried like a baby, and nobody could console him. Now there was at the court a young man who was more clever and handsome than anyone else. He was called Charming, and everyone loved him excepting a few envious people who were angry at his being the king's favourite and knowing all the state secrets. He happened one day to be with some people who were speaking of the ambassador's return, and saying that his going to the princess had not done much good, when Charming said rashly, If the king had sent me to the princess Goldilocks, I am sure that she would have come back with me. His enemies went at once to the king, and said, You will hardly believe, sire, what Charming has the audacity to say, that If he had been sent to the princess Goldilocks, she would certainly have come back with him. He seems to think that he is so much handsomer than you that the princess would have fallen in love with him and followed him willingly. The king was very angry when he heard this. Ha, ha, said he, does he laugh at my unhappiness and think himself more fascinating than I am? Go, and let him be shut up in my great tower to die of hunger. So the king's guards went to fetch Charming, who had thought no more of his rash speech, and carried him off to prison with great cruelty. The poor prisoner had only a little straw for his bed, and but for a little stream of water which flowed through the tower, he would have died of thirst. One day, when he was in despair, he said to himself, How can I have offended the king? I am his most faithful subject, and have done nothing against him. The king chanced to be passing the tower and recognized the voice of his former favorite. He stopped to listen in spite of Charming's enemies, who tried to persuade him to have nothing more to do with the traitor. But the king said, Be quiet. I wish to hear what he says. And then he opened the tower door and called to Charming, who came very sadly and kissed the king's hand, saying, What have I done, sire, to deserve this cruel treatment? You mocked me and my ambassador, said the king. And you said that if I had sent you for the Princess Goldilocks, you would certainly have brought her back. It's quite true, sire, replied Charming. I should have drawn such a picture of you and represented your good qualities in such a way that I am certain the princess would have found you irresistible, but I cannot see what there is in that to make you angry. The king could not see any cause for anger either when this matter was presented to him in this light and he began to frown very fiercely at the courtiers who had so misrepresented his favorite. So he took Charming back to the palace with him, and after seeing that he had a very good supper, he said to him, You know that I love pretty Goldilocks as much as ever. Her refusal has not made any difference to me, but I don't know how to make her change her mind. I really should like to send you to see if you can persuade her to marry me. Charming replied that he was perfectly willing to go, and would set out the very next day. "'But you must wait till I can get a grand escort for you,' said the king. But Charming said that he only wanted a good horse to ride, and the king, who was delighted at his being ready to start so promptly, gave him letters to the princess and bade him good speed. It was on a Monday morning that he set out all alone upon his errand, thinking of nothing but how he could persuade the princess Goldilocks to marry the king. He had a writing book in his pocket, and whenever any happy thought struck him, he dismounted from his horse and sat down under the trees to put it into the harangue which he was preparing for the princess before he forgot it. One day, when he had started at the very earliest dawn and was riding over a great meadow, he suddenly had a capital idea, and, springing from his horse, he sat down under a willow tree which grew by a little river. When he had written it down he was looking round him pleased to find himself in such a pretty place when all at once he saw a great golden carp lying gasping and exhausted upon the grass in leaping after little flies she had thrown herself high upon the bank and where she had lain till she was nearly dead charming had pity upon her and though he couldn't help thinking that she would have been a very nice dinner he picked her up gently and put her back into the water As soon as Dame Carp felt the refreshing coolness of the water, she sank down joyfully to the bottom of the river, then, swimming up to the bank quite boldly, she said, I thank you, Charming, for the kindness you have done me. You saved my life. One day I will repay you. So saying, she sank down into the water again, leaving Charming greatly astonished at her politeness. And that is the end of part one of the story of Pretty Goldilocks. And you can tell right away that this is not the Goldilocks that you were expecting. This is a true and proper quest tale. And a wonderful way for us to re-enter the Blue Fairy Book. This is Dan Scholes for The Folktale Project. Don't forget that you can subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Play, Overcast, anywhere you would like to get your podcasts. You can follow us on Threads, Instagram, and Facebook at Folktale Project. You can find us on Auto Radio, TuneIn Radio, iHeartRadio, Spotify, really anywhere that you like to listen. And you can always head over to folktaleproject.com. We'll find a new story waiting for you every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. As always, and it feels so good to say this again, thank you so much for listening.